check out my vast Xbox, Xbox One, One library. <laughs> and also NBA. <laughs> also hang time. <laughs> Let's see here. We got NBA 2K15. What, Brian? Um, I thought I knew. Me and Brian wanted to play that. And we like, we like. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he bought it. Rare replay. Dude. That's something I didn't spend a lot of time in. No. I thought I would. It's, I mean, it's like, there's it's fun stuff in there. Right. There's fun stuff. Come on. You know, you probably spend, honestly, uh, especially lately, you know what you probably spend more time playing? Monster Hunter? No. Uh, I was going to say the Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> because, bitch, this week's episode of That's Podcast for Two People. That's, That's how we're starting it, bitch. <laughs> All right. Is the Sega Dreamcast. Cue the fucking noise. <laughs> Alright, come pie, bitch. Drink up your heinies. We're talking about the second Dreamcast. Uh, for one thing... Uh, That's something that I'm well-versed in. I was going to say, Brent, you have fucking clothes... You have apparel for the second Dreamcast. I have bootleg Dreamcast apparel. It's not like... I'd rather but be I playing my like, Dreamcast and talking to you. And but I like, feel like if it, was, if it wasn't bootleg, would it really be Dreamcast... The, nowadays, no. Well, uh, that's that's my thing. Is that uh, I believe that if you didn't have uh, a massive spiral of a uh, hundred plus games of bootleg video it's like games, spiral. yes, a, a clever, it's a clever tale. I like Bazinga! That. <laughs> that's my fucking tagline. <laughs> anyway, uh, here's a hot take for you. I oh. think that if you didn't have a spiral of about a hundred fucking bootleg games that you got from uh, like your brother's college roommate, oh, I can't tell you where I got strange them. Strange fucking f- guy that he, dude. That's how that's how my thing was. Was my brother had a friend in college who lived like down a floor from this dude that was burning uh, CDGs. Of the fucking Dreamcast games or whatever the fuck they were, they I, don't, I can't remember if they were CDGs. Oh yeah, I believe that was the the actual development that they that they had decided on. That I was think um. So. Oh, sorry, sorry. Very close. GD ROM. Yeah, GD ROM. The GD ROM. They were really easy to hack. Incredibly. Uh, so stupid. what we got, what we got was an, a, a spiral of pretty much every game that had come out for the Dreamcast at that time, uh, including some sweet Tony Hawk games. They were the best ports. Yeah. Tony Hawk one and two best ports. So we'd pop in the boot disc, like it was something. Me, a fucking five, six year old or so, uh, at the time was yeah, able to like. My brother was like, "All right, dude, you want to play some Dreamcast? You're gonna put in this boot disc." You're going to wait for this screen to come up. You're going to pop it out. You're going to pop in whatever the fuck game you want to play. And you do that, and baby, you're on fucking wheels. Because it's time to play Crazy Taxi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in. <laughs> you're cool. Get in. <laughs> you're crazy. Where are you taking me? <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> We're going to die, but it's all right. Yeah, yeah, all right. And then, you know, you'd, yeah. you'd fucking grind around on Jet Set Radio and make some of the coolest fucking graffiti. The the Sega Dreamcast had amazing fucking titles for it. And it got completely robbed by its by its player base. But at yeah. the same time, from, from... I never bootlegged anything, man. Yeah? I can't do that. 
I mean, I didn't. <laughs> I was fucking stupid. I was a child. Someone's just like, here's free games. I'm like, yeah, cool, all right. How can you not do that? Yeah. How could you not? As a five to six year old, I would, I fucking beg you. Go so find, you, go find your son, so you five your daughter, your niece, your nephew, your fucking, I can't, what, fucking seven math? So, Tyler, the Dreamcast came out in Japan in 1998. Japan. In yeah. Japan, it came out in 1998. All right. Uh, but uh, one year later. And God knows. Nine. 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 <laughs> that's when, that's when uh, America was graced with uh, Sega Dreamcast. Yeah, it was also the year that the world was graced with my mind coming fresh out of whatever the fuck grade you come out of when you're seven. Uh, versus what you come out of when you're six. I don't know. Kindergarten? Kindergarten. Kin- kindergarten. <laughs> uh, so anyway, what I'm trying to say is me, stupid as fuck child, man. Uh, it, essentially me today. Yeah. Uh, I was able to figure out how to how to play bootleg games on a Dreamcast. Um, it was very simple. And, you know, I, fe- I feel bad. And I felt bad knowing that the Dreamcast bombed. But from the like research that I've done on the Dreamcast and everything like that, and looking at how we got here, you can see that it was not the player base's fault at all. No, I it's mean... It's still 100% was, I mean, up the, from the top. The piracy was definitely like part of it. You can't... Oh, it, yeah. It had you wouldn't download a house. <laughs> I would if I could. <laughs> um, Millennials aren't buying enough diamonds. Yeah. Um... Can't shove diamonds up my ass, the Huffington Post. <laughs> uh, what, am I trying to make coal here? Come yeah, on. come on, man. I've got enough fucking pressure up there. Yeah. I'm already stressed enough as it is, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> fucking, okay, so like what I'm getting to here, though, is the fact that, like, where... The dismal crash yes. that is the Dreamcast. And Sega. And Sega in general. Like, yeah. we have to keep in mind, too, that... Like at the end of this, we're going to we're going to literally be reading the eulogy for Sega, as it were. This the old Sega. Yeah, the old Sega. Yeah, of course, yes, the old Sega. Uh, something would be born from the ashes, and it's it's actually pretty clean looking, uh, somewhat. Uh, not looking at Sonic 06, not looking at Sonic Unleashed. Uh, not looking at Shadow s- that motherfucking Shadow hedgehog. The hedgehog. He's got a dick. You gotta get me coming for you! Uh, or, you know... Get like, respect points, Shadow! No. Oh my god. <laughs> I gotta raise my street cred, Sonic. <laughs> Shadow, why are you always so sad? All these, Sonic, I have crippling depression. All these player haters are jacking my style, Sonic. Yeah, thanks, Sega, for all the OCs. Uh, moving away from all of that dismal shit, because honestly, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, it's not even worth mentioning... A lot of the bad things that Sega had put out later are going to be the IPs that slimly survived the crash of the Dreamcast. So tooth and nail, they, they survived. Incredibly, like, tooth and nail. Now, we're going to be looking at a lot of IPs that were literally buried with the Dreamcast, uh-huh. uh, while some, uh, more or less, are just like, these are programmers, developers, studios that essentially cut their ties with Sega, and they're like, fuck that. That's where we get them going more towards Sony, uh, which is a huge player in this. And uh, kind of funny 
uh, seeing this now, but uh, Microsoft also. Dude, Microsoft and Sega were like. I'm doing the fingers uh, crossed, like you, uh, you're mashing dicks with your best friend. When right, you're yeah, they were uh, essentially cohorts. In uh, was uh, I think Peter Moore. Yes. Yeah, he uh he used to be like um I think like some head of like Sega America. I'm yeah I should know the exact title, but he was a pretty big deal in Sega, and then he went on to Microsoft. Yeah, he he's essentially like, Xbox bitch. Uh, if I could pull uh, from one of my favorite fucking video games, uh, Metal Gear Solid Three, mm-hmm. uh, Snake Eater, he is fucking Sokolov. He is taking the plans for the Shagohod and trying to get with Naked Snake and, and leave. However, I, I don't think that he got away unscathed. One of the things I remember about. Um, when I, when I just got an Xbox and I was playing it, I was looking at the controller design for like the OG Xbox. Yeah. Um, What's that look like to you? A Dreamcast right? controller. Right. In yeah. Gen- generally, yes. Uh, giant, clunky, uh, smaller buttons. Yeah. I didn't... I bought the Xbox when they kind of like if phased out the If you're a giant, you'd yeah. be comfortable using this controller. They called it Duke. Yeah, the Duke. The Duke-E. Yeah. Fucking trash-ass controller. Yeah, and um, the more, like, little sleek modern ones, though. Yep. Mostly because, like, in the middle you had, like, the Xbox logo, and then, like, there's Because little... that's important. I, I kind of forgot what fucking I, system so I was So I don't playing. forget what console I'm playing. Yeah. And um, the two slots for, like, Rumble Packer, memory card, yep. memory stick, even though the Xbox had, like, a... Unlimited hard drive space, apparently. Yeah, for for the fucking uh, for the games that you were playing at the yeah. time, the fact that we don't have to download our games before we play them, uh, and of course, um, the fact that the games and the console itself were so expensive that unless like you were from a very well-to-do family or you know you were a well-to-do uh, adult, you're probably going to be having a hard time enjoying your hobby. Xbox games. Xbox games. Xbox and Xbox games, all the accessories, everything like that that I'm talking about. So the games were the same price as like PS2. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gaming itself Which, has always been an expensive hobby. Yeah, I mean, but the further back in time that we you. go, where we go to a point where like you know your minimum wage drops, uh, the amount of jobs available in different areas drops. You have all these different avenues that make it increasingly harder to actually pursue your hobby. Yeah. Of course, now I'm getting into socioeconomics and away from video games. Yeah, I was getting well away from the topic at hand here. Talking about the motherfucking Xbox. <laughs> but they have a, they the, they were very important to this. And I think that you bring up a Early very Xbox good point. was like where the Dreamcast left off. Yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of the titles that survived the crash of the Dreamcast, uh, which I will now refer to for the rest of the show as the Dream Crash. Because I'm witty. Uh, I won't, I'm sorry. I apologize thoroughly for that. Just one's uh, good. One's, one's enough. One's enough. Uh, dream trash. Dream brash. Okay, so enough of that hot takes. Um, but no, a lot of the IPs that survive uh, the end of the Dreamcast and Sega as a console warrior, they go their separate ways. I'm looking at the Jet Set Radio series. Where do they go? They go to the Xbox. Mm-hmm. 
Crazy Taxi went to the Xbox. Crazy Taxi went House to the, the Xbox. House of the Dead went to the Xbox. House of the Dead. Uh, we're looking at a lot of different fighting games that also left uh, the Sega Virtua series. Virtua Fighter went on to PS2 with mm-hmm. Virtua Fighter 4. Where a lot of our fighting games were actually battling it out. Um, and then, of course, like you've got Dead or Alive. They go to the Xbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was uh, covered in our first episode with Hideki... Uh, or Hideki, sorry. Tomonobu Itagaki. I'm getting uh, yeah. names mixed up here. Go uh, listen to that. We'll wait. Yeah, we'll wait. We'll be right here. Pause now. <laughs> Play now. Okay, so anyway. Uh, Tomonobu was like, I went to the Xbox because it had superior power. Yeah, it was power. He's, power. He's attracted to power. Power and boobies and sunglasses. You get the power. And Jack you Daniels. Get, you get and, the And uh, Bruce Willis. You get the money. You get the drugs. You get the power. So, let's look at how the Dreamcast came to be, right? So, we're going to start way back in 1988. Going back that far, huh? Yes. And we're going to go over this fairly quickly because this isn't about the the second genesis where it all starts out. Mm, there was the uh, there was the, the old uh, master system. Yeah, we're not going to go back that far, but and, okay. We're gonna take our shitty fucking DeLorean that I found uh, outside of Las Vegas, uh, covered in uh, stripper blood, and we're gonna take it back to the year 1988, and then drive to the police station to confess our crimes. Fuck no! <laughs> no! They'll find all those fucking Dreamcast games that I ripped. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, you go to jail forever. <laughs> forever. Okay. You go so to federal <laughs> federal dick pound in prison. God, I hope so. <laughs> that's all I wanted. Yeah, that's all I ever wanted. So of course, in, in 1988, like the second Genesis pops out, and this is this is uh, just to reiterate, this is not the very very beginning. It's not the Genesis, if you will. This is the fourth generation of Sega's uh, consoles. So it did really well, about thirty point seven five million uh, units worldwide. And uh, guess what? It was the most successful console Sega ever released. Uh, Mega Drive slash Genesis? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got one of those at a garage sale and a shoebox full of some of the most expensive games ever made. And they're all gone. And a piece of me always dies thinking about those incredibly expensive games that were 50 cents a pop at some random fucking garage sale. Um... I spent a lot of money renting games for my Genesis. My Genesis was by far my favorite. Uh, it's my favorite retro system. I mean, I was supersedes a, my love for the SNES. I was I was a Super Nintendo kid. I I didn't have a Genesis. I mean, I was I was like I was never like oh Super Nintendo was better than Genesis, but like I don't think if that, I had that a Genesis, mentality didn't exist back then. It did. I was just, Not I just, house. I just missed it. Fuck. I mean, yeah, I just liked video games. Yeah, I, like, I just want to play Fuck everything. Fuck you, give me a controller. Yeah, put a fucking controller in my hand, give me uh-huh. a fucking dope-ass game. Gunstar Heroes. And I'm all up in it. Gunstar <laughs> Heroes. Uh, fucking, that one, uh, Army Soldiers game. I am fucking, you pick Army Man. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot them guns. <laughs> no, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the... Yeah, yeah, I know, but... <laughs> Shoot them guns. Did you play Army Men 3D for the PS1? I have it. I fucking rented that. And That's a garbage. All game. I remember about that game is Dorito smell. <laughs> <laughs> 
So imagine a time, if you will. <laughs> Doritos nineteen ninety X and vomit <laughs> during the Vietnam War two. Uh, so, anywho, let's go after the Genesis. Okay, so after eighty eight, we're gonna go and look at. What do you think comes first, Brent? Just a wild question. It's okay if you're wrong or if you're right. Uh, what comes first, Sega CD or the add-on for the Sega Genesis, the 32X? That would be the Sega CD. Correct. That's, uh, that's probably because uh, you never left the 90s. And I, you remember it like it was two hours ago. I, I wish I could say that, you know? <laughs> You brought your ripped up uh, jean jacket vest thing <laughs> with you. My uh, my devil sticks. Right, your uh, penchant for listening to nothing but some forty one. My feathered hair. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> your fucking onion flavored sweat <laughs> that you got from the mosh pit. From eating all those funions. Oh, dude, yeah. Eating hella funions. Eating hella funions. Alright, so chug that moon mist real quick. <laughs> and let's talk about the Sega CD. Mmm, surge. Turns your <laughs> shit green, your piss blue. Uh, your name dive. is Surge. They kidnapped her. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Name it. No. <laughs> name it. No. Name it. No. <laughs> Please. You put me on a hot seat. All I remember about Surge is uh, I was in uh, I was in Chicago with my family and I couldn't sleep and I was very thirsty and so I drank on accident an entire twelve pack of Surge soda and I couldn't sleep and I didn't know why. Was it a was it a day of crisis for you? Oh my god! A disaster, if you will. Uh, there were no giant cheeseburgers bigger than my body. <laughs> it was useless, Brent. It was useless. You did, did you punch open any trash? No. Cans? And for the last time, you know I was asleep for 90% of the time that you were playing that game. Man, <laughs> fuck you. But if, it, if that game would have come out for the second Dreamcast, your boy would have played it. <laughs> no, that's what I want to hear. Yeah, there we go. Fuck all I hacked that. My Wii. I hacked my Wii for that. And it was worth it. For that... <laughs> <laughs> and here is my revenge! <laughs> so, in 1991, the Sega CD comes out. And what the fuck is the Sega CD, Brent? Like, can you tell me, like, just tell me, like, a a, a memorandum. Um, <laughs> will. I'll give you a fucking breakdown of that. Hold on, let me, let me. The Sega CD, yeah. um, realized full motion video graphics... Real life, true to video, true to life, quality graphics. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and uh, with games such as Night Trap. What the fuck is Night Trap? You don't know what Night Trap is? Explain to me. Is it? Do you play as a lot? Wrong lizard? answer. No, you play as a Tommy Goodman, pro nameless protagonist man. Okay. I think fucking Corey Haim. No, not not that game. <laughs> Please tell me it is. It might have been Corey Haim. Oh fuck! He was in. He was in a full motion video series. Oh Jesus game. Christ! He's like, oh hi, yeah, huh? Well, hi, how you doing? Huh? You'll never guess what they're doing in Hollywood to boys. Yeah. <laughs> Don't take my word for it. I've been brushing my teeth <laughs> with nothing but cocaine for the last fifteen years of my life. Uh, yeah. 
Anyway, so that's, that's depressing. Um, tell me more about the Sega CD. Oh, okay. Um, Hideo Kojima put out a sick game on it. Did he? Called Snatcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know anything about Snatcher? Yeah. Okay. It's uh, kind of like a almost a visual novel kind of game. Okay. So but very like, Hideo Kojima. Yeah, yeah. But it also had like... This was the true game that he wanted to You could use the us. Sega Justifier, which was the Sega GAT. Yeah! <laughs> That's uh, a sweet fucking name for a light gun. The Justifier. That's fucking sweet. And, um, yeah, there'd be part Like, so your, your main character is like a detective. Your main character is basically, uh, uh, Rick Deckard. Okay. Fuck yeah. Let's go shut down some Borgs. That's what you did. You go, you, you hunt, uh, Snatchers, which is what they call, like, they're, okay. like... People that they they take like human skin, they like become living people by like. So it was probably somewhat influenced by uh, body Blade snatchers Runner and then the Blade Runner body snatcher, maybe a little bit of a thing. Mm-hmm. That's really I never played it, so I'm not, but yeah, it was a. Uh, that would actually be something to look into. That's a game I want. That's a game I really want to play. But finding a copy that's fucking expensive. Yeah. So why is that? What happened to the Sega CD? Like, as far as um, like. Do you know about how popular it was at all? Not very, I don't think. Correct. Uh, for one thing, it released with a retail price of two hundred ninety-nine uh, U.S. dollars. I mean, you had to have a Genesis. Keep that in mind. Exactly. This is a this is an add-on. Yeah. Uh, you, to which you 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 you, you jam that onto your Genesis. And boy, did it look fucking awful. It turned your Sega Genesis, which, by the way, also, uh, I don't know if you ever ran into this or knew this, but there are, like, multiple versions yeah. of the Sega Genesis. There's different models, yep. Yeah. I was trying to game with a buddy. This would have been probably about ten years ago. And he found out he had all these fucking games for his Sega Genesis. I was without a power cord. He's like, oh, dude, you could just have mine. Fucking completely there. I was like, this is not a thing yeah. at all. Sega brand name logo right there on the power adapter, and it's just like, why doesn't this fucking fit? Completely different generation of Sega Genesis. Uh, getting back into this, though, the Sega CD is a $300 add-on to the system that if you don't have, you gotta buy that, too. Yeah. And now we can play fucking these weird-ass fucking movie games yeah. that are uh, that were seen as hokey when they came out. There was, like, Sonic CD, which I think some people regard as, like, one of the best, like, OG Sonic games. Right. I mean, it had its, like, moments, but, like, they were far and few, I suppose. Right, and see, that's just it, is that uh, if you're not familiar with full-motion video or FMVs, uh, please go watch go the video. Yeah, because I mean, like I, we're saying, it's campy and it's hokey. It's if you like B movies, it gives me life. They are hilarious, and like I like how there was like a running theme in a lot of these games, where like it's usually like one of the FMV characters, um, usually t addressing you, the player. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you fucked up, and like one guy's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you, you stupid piece of shit?" And Play the game better. Yeah, or we'll find like, somebody else. We'll get you out of here. And then we'll... I don't know where the fuck they picked you up from, but yeah. Yeah. I was like... Then, like, you, get, ah! then you get your game over screen. Yeah, you know? I was like... Oh, you can't even do that, right? Get the fuck out of here. Game over, kid. Yeah. 
pretty fucking funny ass shit. I mean, like other other uh, somewhat. Uh, well, there's a game. Uh, I think it was called Sewer Sharks. Sewer Sharks. Yeah, I think you're uh, one of the characters is called your dog meat. <laughs> fucking sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so like you know, in in true Sega fashion, we gotta have like these cheesy ass slogans in order to like sell them better. So how do you sell a three hundred dollar add on? You don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, you fucking don't. All right, so like they, some of their slogans were like, "Welcome to the next level." Yeah, and like we're like see all man things. head, just like oh, Sega. Like Dude, Sega had some sick marketing though. Like they did, and they also they also marketing. made it kind of smart. You didn't necessarily have to buy these. They actually had a huge partnership program with Blockbuster, in which you could actually rent these things. Now they had about fifty thousand units that were available at launch due to production issues. Uh, whew. that's not enough Sega CDs for even like a large city here in our home state of Iowa. Uh, well, but back then, every, I suppose it's like yeah, gaming wasn't like it wasn't huge. Yeah, like however, that is dismal numbers if you're yeah. talking about a nation. Uh, which yeah. at this point, you know, like there's a there's starting to be a systemic uh, schism. Which is a fun, fun uh, wording, but anyway, a systemic schism forming uh, between arcade players and uh, gaming at home. So, like, you still had some people that were going out, but that that schism is going to be growing larger and larger. Uh, like I said, it's systemic; it's exponential over the next decade. I mean, one of the main things about consoles is that, like, arcade ports. Yep. It's like. How close could you get to like the arcade port? Because the arcades at that time were always superior. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was the until, literal true form that you want to fucking play. Until the Dreamcast came out. Yeah. Because the Dreamcasts were like on par. Yes. Some people say like Soul Calibur. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dreamcast version is like better than the arcade. I never. I haven't sat down and played them, but like, I I, I believe it. Yeah. Soul Calibur was. Uh, that was a game to have when like yeah, it came out. Yeah, uh, I absolutely did too. Yeah. And you know, it, it formed a lot of my love for fighting games. Yeah. But getting back into the whole fucking thing, so that's that's the Sega CD. Uh, of, of course, uh, I do want to actually bring up the whole thing. So you brought up Night Trap, okay? Mm-hmm. So in 1993, the United States Congress began to hold hearings on video game violence and marking oh, yeah. of violent video games to children, of course. Yeah, because there, so, there was a scene in Night Trap where, like, I can't remember what the monsters in that game were called, mm-hmm. but, like, they had this weird, like, machine that looked like, it looked like a big, like, drill, but, like, at the end, like, the drill bit is a fucking, like, bending dildo. Uh, I feel like... I, I know I have seen this because you and then know, like it wraps around the girl's neck and like restrains her and then like it actually has a drill that like drills into her throat and, fucks and that her was up like that way. and that was what like threw fucking Senator Joe Lieberman like mm-hmm. into a loop and like, there were a lot of other like a lot angry of other moms keys, against violent you know, games. turning into locks and all these other pieces falling into place. But that's kind of what um, developed the ESRB. And Joe Lieberman, who said of Night Trap, uh, and I quote, I looked at that game too, and there was there was a, a 
I looked at that game too, and there was a classic. It ends with this attack scene on this woman in lingerie in her bathroom. Mm -hmm. I know that the creator of the game said it was all meant to be a satire of Dracula, but nonetheless, I thought it sent out the wrong message, end quote. Lieberman's research later went on to conclude that the average video game player at the time was between 7 and 12 years old, and that the video game publishers were marketing violence to children. Similar issues were brought up in the United Kingdom, with former Sega of Europe development director Mike Brogan noting that Night Trap got Sega an awful lot of publicity. Questions were even raised in the UK Parliament about its suitability. This came at a time when Sega was capitalizing on its image as an edgy company with attitude, mm -hmm. and this only served to reinforce that image. Although experiencing increased sales as a result of the hearings, <laughs> Sega decided to recall Night Trap and re-release it with revisions in 1994. Um, they also re-released it like late last year. For real? Yeah, that's on like the, I think it's on the PS4 uh, store. That's so fucked. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you had brought up the ESRB. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what came together in 1994? The ESRB. And, of course, we, Which is we a still know good that. thing. Generally. I think that it's a, it's a good yeah. thing. Especially, uh... You can look if, at it and, like, see, oh, it's him. Yeah. It's got, uh, you know, a I think that thing. that's very important for parents because, yeah. uh, I don't think that we deserve, as a people, censorship, but we should know what media we're about to What we're to getting into. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, like... Plus, games nowadays... Jesus Christ. Some are fucked up. Yeah. I... Like, I mean, I would probably let my kid play Doom 64. But would you let him play... That's an M-rated game, I'm pretty sure. But I would, would I let them play Doom 2016? That's a question. You know what I mean? How realistic? What are you doing? You're yeah. fucking tearing things apart. Rip and tear! And then Rip and tear! Yeah, I uh, love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And then, you know, like, uh, we were having a conversation on Eternal Darkness, where uh, in some scenes you'll see a monster literally tear into the back of someone, uh, jump into yeah, them, like and then assume... Become them. Yeah, yeah, assume their role. And then come after you, attack you, and you have to, like... Shoot them in the head. Remember that cutscene where uh, Maximilian just like That's kicks into his servants' quarters and then just and, like, like dome somebody. Yeah, while they're sleeping. Yeah, because he thinks that the monsters are in them. I mean, they, they could have been. They could have been. You don't know. He did see a servant when you hit him though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then they they split out of the person, and yeah. then your Sandy goes down. But uh, I think Maximilian didn't have any Sandy by that time. So I mean, like what? I guess I guess you would lose health at that point, but right, not Sandy. And you know who was losing Sandy at that point is fucking Sega because <laughs> at, in 1994, what do we come out with next? How about the motherfucking 32x? 32X? You know because why the fuck not? So it's 1994. We've got the uh, codename Project Marsu. It's a transitional, yeah. Uh, it's a transitional console into the 32-bit era, uh, which will hold us uh, very closely until the release yeah. of Sega Saturn. A mere like <laughs> six months later. Yeah, because why not? So it had its own ROM cartridges and its own library of well, games. I think they expected like people to not transition from like the Genesis for quite some time. They wanted the Genesis to have life, but also like. 
But how can you, you get something in life by essentially marketing? Because 32X was marketed as in a completely different council. I mean, I'm by no means defending it. It's a piece of shit. Right. But yeah, I also a, see it as, like, I'm talking about, like, as far as, like, a marketing ploy. Yeah. As a company strategy, uh, I love you, Sega, but goddamn, you were fucking stupid They were on the crack, 90s. and they were on some fucking yeah. crack in the 90s. Uh, looking at some of the excerpts from some of the phone conversations that uh, Sega of America, Sega of Europe, and Sega of Japan were all having between themselves, like, the night before an expo, when they're, like, changing their entire stance on things. They're like, fuck it, tell them it's coming now. <laughs> and then they're like, but sir, it's not ready. And they're like, pull the throttles to full capacity. <laughs> and, like, ship it tomorrow. <laughs> like, what? It's not even ready. Like, it was ready yesterday. And they put out a shitty copy of Virtua Fire if we're talking about the Saturn. Yeah, why not? And they did, like, recall it, though. And they're like, oh, now we'll give you, like... An actually, like, good version of Virtua Fighter. Right, and it's like, why did the 32X come out? Well, because, of course, gaming fucking magnate, motherfucking juggernaut, Atari, comes out with the 64-bit Atari Jaguar. So we got it. We got a battle Atari. a fucking piece of jag, if I tell you. No, man, it was so good, we got to put out the 32X so that we can compete with the 64X. And 32-bit gram, gram fix. Gram fix. So, like, again, with the the funny part about the 32X, it's, like, uh, something that I remember reading that uh, Joe Miller had said about the 32X uh, was that it essentially just doubled the color palette available for the video games. Like, sweet. <laughs> so now my red ninja can be maroon. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't... It doesn't fucking matter. I can't think of a single title that I would want to play on it. There was um, Knuckles Chaotix. Yes. But even then, I, I don't give a shit. Uh, so just to name off um, a couple of the games other than Knuckles Chaotix <laughs> uh, for the second 32X, there was a 32X version of Doom. And it was not worth Bad. Playing. I'm looking at screen grabs of it right now, and it's very, very not good. Uh, they had... Uh, very inferior versions of Virtual Fighter. Yeah, yeah, they 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 tried with Virtual Fighter on that thing. Yes, yes, they fucking did. They also had a uh, essentially um, sh- uh, like a Star Wars arcade, uh-huh. uh, Shadow Squadron. They had Afterburner, NFL quarterback, Afterburner club, dope. and World Series baseball. It was, uh... <laughs> I want to get Barkley shut up and jam on the 32 Shut up and jam Gaiden. Yeah. Fuck you. So, like, that's that's where we go with the with the 32X. So we've already gotten... We went to the Genesis and we looked at the quote-unquote two other systems, the add-ons for the, uh, the bullshit that was the marketing scheme that Sega had. So from, from fucking Project Marzu, where do we go from there? Saturn. Yep. yep. <laughs> of course, let's just name fucking planets. Uh, Alright, so we're looking at the Sega Saturn, and what can you tell I know you can fucking tell me a dickload about the Sega Saturn. So, start me off right, I will simply say, uh, this came out July 8th, uh, or sorry, May 11th in North America, July 8th, 1995 in Europe. Uh, and Sega Saturn, very sleek system. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have all these stupid, bulky add-ons. Controller, 
Very nice. I like that controller. It's a, it's a very modern, very sleek and comfortable, uh, better version of the Sega Genesis controller. Oddly enough, I think they made um, adapters for the Dreamcast to play like fighting games with that controller. They should have, because there's actually a lot of fighting game controllers coming out, uh, or rather I should say that have been coming out for they a long time. They kind of follow that like, model. Uh, they, and sometimes what they'll do is they'll drop off that right uh, holding portion of the controller, and it's essentially just an ergonomic, is how they market it, ergonomic controller. Like you're going to be sleeping on it until you die. Yeah. Of course. Why the fuck not? So what can you tell me about uh, the fantastic Sega Saturn? Because this is actually a very good system. It is. Um, at least um, it, it really shines with the Japanese games. I did a lot mm-hmm. of importing for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Had a shitload of arcade ports. I was big on the shmups. Still am, I mean, not so much these days, but, like, I mean, I'll sit down and play a good schmuck, let me tell you. Right. Now, the Sega Saturn was uh, the one that had uh, wonderful games like Mars Matrix, correct? That's Dreamcast. Dreamcast. Sorry. Which is what this myself. episode's actually about. Right, yeah. Uh, what was what was the... We played a, we played a shmup on the Saturn uh, last year, but we also hopped over to Mars Matrix at the same... Like in the same Might have been a there's Battle Garega, which is an arcade port. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Darius Gaiden, which is a great fucking game. I watched really you do a very long play of, of Darius. I yeah, that's, I that's Darius. a great series. Um, so we got a Galactic Attack, which is also by Taito. Okay, is, is there a different version of Mars Matrix? I am thinking of something. That had a weird-ass name like Mars Matrix. There was a Border Down for the Dreamcast. Or, yeah, Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. Which is by, um... Uh, shit. G-Rev Studios, which went on to do Under Defeat. Which is a very late Dreamcast release. I love Under Defeat so much. Okay, so, like, let's, let's talk about some of its arcade ports, okay? So, like, we've got The House of the Dead. You fucking know this. You know this game. Darkstalkers 3. People know of Darkstalkers, but I haven't met too many people that actually played a Darkstalkers game. Oh, I know a game you haven't been thinking of. What's the that? I like how you just have this giant... Dodonpachi. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Dodonpachi. One and two. <laughs> Batibetsu. Uh, honestly, Dodonpachi is probably my second favorite... Uh, well, yeah, Don Pachi and Dodon Pachi. Yep. Yeah. I'm just gonna let you look at those for a sec. Oh man, and, and something that I really enjoy is uh, the sleek, nice look of these um, of these games. Oh shit! Here's a here's a rare one for you. Metal Black. Oh fuck, dude! I don't think we actually got to check this out. That had been. Uh, and for for anyone that's listening, we're literally looking at through Brent's like. Sega Saturn uh, game collection, all these imported Japanese shmups, because uh, we're uh, masochists and we like a fucking bullet hell. That's like some of these games are just bullet heck. Bullet heck. Well, it's actually bullet hell though. Um, you remember Batsugan? Batsugan. Yeah. One and two. <laughs> nah, not one and two. <laughs> Dude, that's so anime. I feel like I'm literally looking at a uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion here. I know you like Strikers. Oh, 
Oh, dude, yes. Strikers 1945. I got uh, I got a high high score on uh, 1945 it, while I was visiting my sister in uh, Eugene, Oregon. Left my mark in a fucking bar that's probably going to end up wiping the... Yeah, it's probably already overwritten. I think when they turn them off, it just deletes everything. Resets everything yeah. anyway, yeah. I was I was so excited and, and so had, happy with I it. I had the sequel to um, uh, Galactic Attack, which it was known in Japan as Layer Section, so I got Layer Section. That's what I was fucking thinking of, was Layer Section. Yeah, which is uh, not the best port of the game. Actually, the PS1 had a better port, but... I was thinking Layer Section. I was like, I know that it had a weird-ass... It, it had like eight different names, I swear to God. I thought that that was a conversation. Galactic Attack, <laughs> Layer Section... I can't remember the other one right now, but... At least you're not going to crucify yourself over it and say the wrong thing. Nope. <laughs> I'll do it. Uh, it was called uh, Bullet Shoot Shoot 36X uh, Naked Booty Dick Edition. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was called. Uh, here's it's, it's meant to appeal to, uh, How about listeners. this? Highly rated Saturn exclusives Panzer Dragoon Saga. Yep. Dragon yep. Force, Guardian Heroes, Knights. Knights. Uh, Hey, remember when you played Sonic Adventure and there was a weird fucking casino game yeah. that had something to do with something? You're like, I don't know what this game is. Yeah. That's where that's from. Uh, that's Shining cool. Force 3. That's an RPG series I should maybe look into. Then we also had PlayStation games such as Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Not a great port. No, it was a bad one. But uh, had Resident, Resident Evil. Yep, had a Resident Evil port. Which Wipeout had, 2097. Had a, it had... Um, um, it had a unique battle mode, like extreme battle mode, that wasn't in any other version. We also Even had Duke weird... Nukem 3D and Quake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they tried. Yeah, they put out a fucking dude. Quake they mode. tried so hard, um, so hard. So later ports of uh, Saturn games, because this this system actually had somewhat of a life lifetime. Uh, not great. It got overshadowed by the PlayStation. Absolutely, because what did the PlayStation do when it came into the market? It, like, okay, so Sega Saturn came into the market at $399 US, okay? At that time, when that was released, you had, the minimum wage was $4.75 an hour. So, if you're a high school student, and you're going to school, say, let's just say, like, you're getting there 7.30 uh, in the morning, you're out of there, let's say, 3.30 we go to work at 4.30 after school. We work until fucking 9.30 at night. We put in our five hours. <coughs> oh, sorry. Gesundheit. <laughs> so anyway, we work, we work our five hours. And we work six days a week because, you know... Yeah, yeah that's something that a high school I student I should be curious to hear, like, from somebody who was, like... My teenager Who did back that? then? Yeah. Like, like, what? How did you go about buying games? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, as a, as a video game hobbyist, like, how did you actually afford your hobby? Uh, but I, I crunched the numbers, and if you worked thirty hours a week at minimum wage, working at a mom pa fucking grocery store or some bullshit, you're gonna average uh, about. Just a little bit over uh, half of what you need to buy one of these consoles in two weeks. And that's, you know, if you're not spending any money on gas or food or if you have any other hobbies, which at this time, comic books are fucking huge, so you're probably going to be buying comic books too, unless mm -hmm. you just fucking hate that shit. Um, but yeah, you're, you're going to be getting about $285 
before taxes and everything like that. So it's going to take you about a month of saving uh, in order to actually, probably closer to a month and a half, to save enough for a Sega Saturn. Meanwhile, PlayStation hits the scene. They fucking cut Sega Saturn down at the knees. They release their system at $100 cheaper. Alright, so now it's that much easier. Parents are able to actually afford that. Mm -hmm. You know, a mom and a dad put their money together. They're going to be able to get their children something nice for the holidays. So, Sega Saturn, for one thing, not a lot of consoles available. They're super expensive. PS, uh, PlayStation hits the market. They come out with demos for all their games, for one thing. You want to hear about... They did demos for Sega Saturn. Yeah. Yeah, you want to hear about my PS1 Shipping experience? with the console, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had... I, I wish I still had my demo disc. <laughs> Mine had Medieval and uh, Jersey Devil on it. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Christmas morning. Um, Magical time when I was a child. Yeah, we had... Our first PS1 games were Mortal Kombat Trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, Fuck yeah. I think my brother got NFL Madden 99. Mm-hmm. And... Resident Evil 2. Dope. I... That was like probably the most violent game I had seen at that time, because mm-hmm. I watched watched my brother play it, and just get fucking like killed by like the first zombies in the game, and just like watch him get eaten by like five zombies, fucked me up. Yep. And that's how I remember Christmas morning, nineteen ninety nine. So, just to finish up on like, I just nineteen ninety eight probably. <laughs> just to finish up on Sega Saturn's like later ports trying to hold on to uh, some sort of lead before we get into the Dreamcast, uh, battling very hard with the uh, PlayStation. And then, of course, the N64 mm-hmm. as well hits the market, which actually, uh, after the N64 comes in, uh, the Sega Saturn sales drop sharply, like over 50%, and they just go to shit. So anyway, later ports on Sega Saturn games include... Uh, we had already said Knights, Guardian Heroes. Uh, SMT, Devil Summoner, Soul Hacker. Soul Hacker. Soul Hacker. I was Japanese. That was Japan only. Yeah. Until uh, I imported it to 3DS in 2013? Yeah. And then, uh, so partly due to rarity, Southern games such as uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga, and here's one for you. This is a diamond in the rough, and I can't remember if you actually grabbed it. Radiant Silver Gun. I I'd been watching it on eBay and stuff, but goddamn, that's expensive. I was gonna say, do you know like a rough the last time? Last time I saw it, it was like of like certain eBay listings that it was like the cheapest, m- like most reasonable one I could find that had like the case. Yep. Manual. We're not talking fucking paper Just, sleeve with yeah, the disc in it. Yeah, like it was like over a hundred bucks, probably like two hundred bucks. 200 bucks for a Sega Saturn game that's 20 years old. Yeah. And you can buy on the Xbox 360 marketplace for... Uh, 10 to 15 bucks. Yeah. Which I did. Good job, me. All right. So, due to the system's commercial failure and hardware limitations, planned Saturn releases such as Resident Um, Evil 2... One thing about hardware limitations? Yes. The Sega Saturn did 2D sprites Mm -hmm. really fucking well. Yes, it did. It didn't do 3D as well as PlayStation did, which was probably one of the things that set it back, because 3D was hot shit at the time. I mean, when you're fucking coming out then, you have Mario 64 beating the fuck out of everything, and Final Fantasy VII makes everybody 
literally empty their bowels in their living rooms, and then you're putting out, you know, fucking shitty-ass Symphony of the Nights. You're going to be it putting did have, like, in... multiple playable characters, like, right off the bat. Um, other than that, like... <laughs> they had a lot going on for it, and the t- it was just like a lot of dithering, like just poor, poor graphics, poor frame rate. Right, and then just like these these games that just didn't make an impact. Yeah. Uh, just bad. So games that didn't uh didn't make it here, right? Uh, Shenmue, Sonic Adventure, Virtual Fighter Three. Those were all canceled and then reworked to re-release on, uh, or just release. Another thing we didn't mention, uh, Virtual Cop for the old Sega Saturn. Virtual Cop. One and and two. Virtual Cop. Um, I have, I have the Japanese port Mm -hmm. of House of the Dead on Sega Saturn. Damn. Because the American version, from what I can only find online, was just way more expensive for some reason. That's really weird. Yeah. I think I think I I don't think there there were that many copies made. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably why they're more expensive. More than likely. So here's uh here's here's something here, okay? So like we're leading up to the Dreamcast release. And I know that we've been taking our time. Yeah. However, this is doing a lot of crazy shit in Sega right now. Ultimately the the Dreamcast will release in America, September 9th, 1999. Like you said, 99-1999. Pretty easy thing to remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, do you know what happened the year, uh, like two years before that, due to the Saturn's poor performance in North America? Like, as far as Sega as a company goes, I should narrow that down. They were, when they were like layoffs? Massive. Yeah, like massive, massive, massive. Uh, Sega was considering. Uh, there were a lot of like heads of the company like saying like, "Let's get out of the hardware business." Uh, literally thirty percent. Yeah, thirty percent. And a lot of, of people were just entire... walking out at that notion. Yeah, as a result of the company's deteriorating financial situation, uh, Nakayama resigned as president of Sega in uh, January nineteen ninety eight, uh, and uh, Stolar, or Stoller, sorry. Uh, not Dark Souls, would subsequently uh, accede to become CEO and president of Sega of America. Following five years of generally declining profits in the fiscal year ending March 31st, 1998, Sega suffered its first parent and consolidated financial losses since its 1988 listing on the Tokyo Stock Exchange. Due to a 54.8% decline in consumer product sales, including a 75% decline overseas, fuck that's massive, the company reported a consolidated net loss of uh, 269.8 million US dollars. Shortly before announcing its financial losses, Sega revealed that it was discontinuing the Saturn in North America with the goal of preparing for the launch of its successor. The decision effectively left the Western market without Sega games for over a year. Rumors uh, about the upcoming Dreamcast, spread mainly by Sega itself, leaked to the public before the last Saturn games were released. I remember seeing, I think on like a, ga- a fucking Game Pro or something. Yep. Like, leaked images of, like, Dreamcast games. And I was like, this just, this just can't be real, this is fake. And it like, looks super good. Yeah. 
It's like, it's like fucking blue stinger. And how shit did too? Just like getting like, pegged by fucking soccer balls. Probably some power stone in there. Yeah. There were. Yeah, I, know, I didn't see any of that. I just remember seeing like screen grabs. Like I think it was like Hustle did too. More like, than likely, shit. you know, something to really fucking throw uh, throw your money around at. I mean, like people are gonna buy House of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, especially after the success of the first one, that's another series that we're gonna have to cover here on the show. Um, but overall, uh, do you know about like how long we have for the lifespan of the Dreamcast? Two years. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, give or take. Just, just shy of two full years. I remember, I remember, yeah, like 2001, like early 2001, they announced that they were... Discontinuing. Yeah. Uh, so, it's kind of funny so because... We were in, like, computer lab in school, and we, yeah. I was, like, reading an article on the fucking internet, like, reading about how it's, like, it was, like... What a wild time. Yeah. It's so weird. And I, I'd, I'd never seen anything like that. No. I was like, this is massive. Yeah, so it's like, I probably got to play it shortly before, like, in 2000. Uh, And it's like, if you had a Dreamcast, then you had access to a shitload of uh, fucking games. Yeah. However, I I think that that uh, little fuck-up that they had there probably helped them sell quite a few systems. Mm -hmm. Because people are like, oh, if I just buy the system, then... I can play all your games. I remember they, a lot of places were selling for really fucking cheap. I was uh, trying to convince one of my friends, like, dude, like, get a fucking You need Dreamcast. to get a Dreamcast, yeah. yeah. And apparently there were a fucking shitload of little Brents and a shitload of little Brents friends that bought systems. Because in two years, they sold 9.13 million units. Uh, that's a shitload. Holy cow. And then, um... Like, we're looking at a, pr- a pretty, like, strong gaming console. Just going over the specs, uh, for media, it could read uh, 1 gigabyte GD ROMs, CD-ROMs, and mini-CDs. Its CPU was a Hitachi SH 432-bit um, at 200 uh, megahertz. Memory was uh, 16 megabytes of RAM. Woo! 8 megabytes of uh, video RAM and 2 megabytes of audio RAM, which uh, at this time is like, holy fuck, that's going to sound and look beautiful. And it mm-hmm. did. And, and yeah, it still does. It's great. Dreamcast sounds it. better than PS2. Yes. I'll stand by that. I'll stand by that and like literally die on that hill because I have played amazing games on a Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put me in Jet Set Radio, you put me on uh, Fantasy Star Online. Fucking... Booting up Tony Hawk's fucking two. Yeah. What's the first goddamn song you hear? That's a good question because all I remember from Tony Hawk two is uh, Power Man five thousand. When worlds collide. And trying to get the videotape in that fucking warehouse. Fucking Gorilla Radio. Yeah. Open that game. Okay. Yeah. See, I don't remember that. Yeah. I remember. I just remember Power Man five thousand because I'm pretty sure that's the only song. Censored version of Gorilla Radio. Turn that up. Oh, yeah. thanks, Zach Delarock. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, graphics. I'm saying it. Oh, I'm saying it. All right, so graphics, we got 100 megahertz power VR2 integrated with the system's uh, ASIC. Sound is a 67 megahertz Yamaha AICA with a 32-bit uh, ARM7. Uh, that's a 64-channel fucking 6PU core. Uh, that is fucking... 
redonkulous, like, as far as, like, everything else that, uh, that we had. And, of course, what do you think the best-selling game for the Dreamcast was? Motherfucking Sonic Adventure. Yeah, 2.5 million fucking units sold. That means that almost a third of every Dreamcast, uh, of the Dreamcast, uh, sold, uh, one third of those people nearly had, uh, Sonic Adventure for their Dreamcast. I, uh, like, borrowed it or rented it. I never owned it. I, that was one of the few games that I, like, legit had a real copy of. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I got Sonic Adventure 2 instead, which I think came out, um... <laughs> Shortly after 9-11. Never forget. I can never forget, because I was playing motherfucking Sonic! <laughs> skating, ar- skating around my shadow skate shoes. Oh my god, dude. Get the fuck out. So No, they're cool. Shut up. So speaking of, two, uh, you know, uh, September 11th, something... <laughs> yeah. like, it, it's a really fucked up transition, but I, I found this like really interesting, so... Uh, looking into the development of getting the Dreamcast out, mm-hmm. um, as early as 1995, reports surface that Sega would collaborate with Lockheed Martin, the 3DO company, uh, Matsushita, or Alliance Semiconductor to create a new graphics processing unit, which conflicting accounts said would be better for a 64-bit Saturn II or an add-on peripheral. Fuck no, please, no more add-ons. <laughs> uh, Development of the Dreamcast was wholly unrelated to this un, uh, this totally rumored project. In light of the Saturn's poor market performance, uh, Ira Maraji, uh, yes, uh, decided to start looking outside of the company's internal hardware development division and create a new console. So that's when he enlisted the services of IBM's Tatsuo Yamamoto to lead an 11-man team to work on a secret hardware project in the United States, which was referred to as a black belt. Accounts vary on how internal team led by Hideki Sato uh, also began development on Dreamcast hardware. One account specifies the Sega of Japan tasked both teams, while another suggests that Sato was bothered uh, by the choice to begin development externally and chose to have his hardware team begin development i just wanted to say that this is kind of funny having uh dealt with lockheed martin and uh working on essentially that that processing unit for the dreamcast Mm -hmm. lockheed martin which uh i think that a lot of us know as having a, a part in the in the war on terror along with uh uh halberd um had a hand in giving us wonderful things like the Dreamcast and its VMUs, which might be a WMD. I feel like we can be talking about the same things. What do you mean? The company Lockheed Martin? Yeah. You don't know about Lockheed Martin? Not enough, I guess. It's a global aerospace defense security and advanced technologies team okay. uh, with company with worldwide interests. Uh, shadowy uh, government bullshit conspiracy company that helped give us the Dreamcast. That's all I needed. Yeah. They're, uh, they're literally like, I'm pretty sure Geese Howard runs Lockheed Martin. Yeah. To be honest. Like, it's, it's some fucking weird shit. Uh, but with that behind us, and we have the ideas to where we're going with this, because like, they apparently had all that groundwork. And then Sato's like, mm, I think we need to go a different direction with this. So he starts, he's got his team that has been sourced in 
to work on it. And he then creates a subgroup to, to work on it. A group within the group. And so they then make Project White Belt. So, essentially what, what they end up coming up with uh, from that, they uh, later codenamed it Dural, after the metallic female fighter from Sega's Virtual Fighter series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose is just a homage to, you know, their history. You know, trying to go back to the roots. Yeah. Whatever the fuck they're trying to accomplish... Uh, they opted to use the 3DFX Voodoo 2 and Voodoo Banshee graphics processors alongside the Motorola PowerPC uh, 603E central processing unit. But Voodoo graphics were the thing that was like the fucking thing graphics card to have in like the 90s. Yeah, so like you see this like different like this uh, fork in the road for Sega. So, okay, so they came from, like, literally just being like, okay, how many things can we add on to this fucking system to make it different so that we can sell it more times? Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, well, that didn't work. Let's just make a new system. And then you have two fucking teams trying to make the same system two different ways. So how the fuck do we even end up getting here? So, like, Sega also is like, oh, also use the SH-4 chip. Like, you, you need to include this in your hardware. Both processors have been described as off-the-shelf components. 1997, 3DFX began its IPO and as a result of legal obligations unveiled its contracts with Sega, including the development of the new console. This angered Sega of Japan executives who eventually decided to use the Dural chipset architecture. He further stated that Sega's relationship with NEC, a Japanese company, probably made a difference in Sega's decision to uh, to adopt the Chinese or sorry the Japanese team's design. Uh, Staller, on the other hand, felt the U.S. version of the 3DFX should have been used. Uh, <laughs> so you you still have a, a huge fork in the road. We we want to go this way. We want to go with Sato. We think that he's doing something right. With uh, with the Dural chipset, that would be that uh, that Voodoo 3DFX uh, Voodoo Two and Voodoo Banshee, um, and then of course people are getting pissed off internally, so we're still creating all these other fucking problems here. So Japan wanted the Japanese version, and Japan won. As a result. 3DFX filed a lawsuit against both Sega and NEC, claiming breach of contract, which would eventually be settled out of court. The choice to use the PowerVR architecture concerned uh, Electronic Arts, a longtime developer of Sega's consoles. EA had invested 3DFX, but was unfamiliar with the selected architecture, which was reportedly less powerful. Uh, as recounted by Shirohago uh, Hagiwara, a general manager at Sega's hardware division, and Ian Oliver, the managing director of Sega's subsidiary Cross Products, the SH-4 was chosen while it was still in development and following a lengthy deliberation process because it was the only available processor that could adapt to deliver 3D geometry calculation performance necessary. By February 1998, Sega had renamed the Dural Katana. <laughs> Uh, Means Japanese sword. Right, yeah. Uh, by the way, fear my endearing Japanese sword. <laughs> Although certain hardware specifications, such as random access memory, were not finalized. Just a whole bunch of fucking bullshit trying to fucking figure out 
what are we going to do for the hardware? Mm -hmm. It's got to be powerful. It's not powerful enough. When I think of say, uh, like the Dreamcast hardware, yeah, I think it, it of uh, uh, Naomi hardware. Yeah, it's the the same like honestly, I don't know, chipset's the right word, but like same market like architecture or hardware they use for like the arcade boards at the time. Yes, just great technology, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's just it, is that, like, it, it, this is a, what I want to say, a pattern, I guess, for the entire development of the Dreamcast. They can't decide on anything. They're arguing over and over about all the subtle nuances from, uh, well, what are we going to use for the architecture on, on our uh, uh, CPUs, everything? Like, how are we going to fucking format this entire beast? How are we going to continue to compete? And they're like, okay, well, here's a good idea. How about we go ahead and select GD-RAW media to format the system? And people are like, that's a fucking bad idea. However, overall, Sega selected the GD-RAW media format for the system. Uh, that was developed by uh, Sega and Yamaha. Under the, uh, under the pretense that they thought it was going to be harder to uh, pirate. Yeah, which uh, is kind of funny. So well. <laughs> And this is uh, also because they wanted to avoid the huge expense of uh, DVD-ROM technology, because mm -hmm. that's brand new. Yeah. Uh, so the GD-ROM format can hold a gigabyte of data, which at that time is fucking ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That is fucking massive. Uh, illegally copying Dreamcast games onto a 650 megabyte CD-ROM sometimes require the removal of certain game features, although this is not... Uh, this does not prevent copying of Dreamcast software. Weird. Weird indeed. So, let's make it messier. Microsoft developed a custom Dreamcast version of Windows CE with DirectX API and dynamic link libraries, making it easier to port PC games to the platform, although programmers would ultimately favor Sega's development tools over those from Microsoft. However, Microsoft is like, oh, here's a knife. <laughs> You're stabbing them? Here's a knife. Yeah. They, they, they make it easier for us to, to go and, and essentially uh, bury Sega with their bad decisions. Uh, which, again, you know, we talked about earlier. We, uh, we have a hand in it. Uh, the players, the people that, that uh, played these bootleg games. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know what I was doing. But, uh, plausible deniability, uh, fuck you. I'm safe. I was an innocent little boy who just wanted to play video games. However, my brother and all of his friends and everybody that he knew that had spindles and books full of fucking free games that they didn't have to pay a goddamn dime for, well, they probably had to pay for the fucking cheaty ROMs. Yeah. Uh, but overall, overall, yeah, like, they were, they were driving nails into the coffin that was Sega at the time. However... All that shit that I just threw at you about the development of the Dreamcast, that's what buried the Dreamcast. That was everybody in R&D not being able to actually be a team. Mm -hmm. You had two different teams coming up with uh, how their graphics were going to be done. So you're saying it was dead? It was already dead? Yeah. Obi-Wan mm -hmm. no Shinderu. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was dead on arrival. Ho, 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 ho. 
You know what else is DOA? I think it was alive. Actually. Oh, shit. Sega held a public competition to name its new system, by the way. Uh, there were 5,000 different entries. Uh, they essentially uh, chose Dreamcast because it's supposed to be Dream and Broadcast put together, <laughs> which is lame as hell. Yeah. Uh, it is pretty dumb, I'll admit. So, apparently... But you put them together and it's dope. Right. <laughs> So, I think that you told me this years ago, but uh, who was... Do you remember the guy that came up with the design for the Dreamcast? No. Okay. His name is Kenji Eno. Uh, he submitted the name and created the Dreamcast Spiral logo. Uh, but Sega never verified that. Mm. But he's been accredited with it without being accredited, I suppose. Um, the startup sound was composed by the Japanese musician uh, Ryuichi uh, Sakamoto. Uh, which, honestly, this entire episode, that's the only thing that's been playing in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and most days, that's the only thing that's going on in my brain. So, because the Saturn had tarnished Sega's reputation, the company planned to remove its name from the console entirely and establish a new gaming brand similar to Sony's PlayStation. However, Sony still had their name on the PlayStation, if I remember right. Maybe. Yeah. Who fucking knows? It's on, it's all, it's on all the games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the management team ultimately decided to retain Sega's logo on the Dreamcast exterior, and Sega ended up spending about fifty to eighty million dollars on hardware development, uh, one hundred and fifty to two hundred million dollars uh, on software development, and three hundred million dollars on worldwide promotion. Uh, a sum. So Mega had like a lot of promotion for it. Yeah. So like. It's thinking. Uh. <laughs> the uh, the current president during this time, after like kind of looking at the sum and everything, so he was a he was a former Honda executive. He's like, you know, this is literally comparative to the investments required to design new automobiles. <laughs> I mean, we're looking at eighty here, two hundred eighty, five hundred eighty million dollars went into essentially the everything that was the Dreamcast. Uh. Which I don't think they end up making nearly that, even with the nine point thirteen million units that were sold. So, what ends up happening with the Dreamcast is, you know, we've got we've got the pirating that brings it way the fuck down. Uh, it had several price adjustments over um, over the course of its uh, life cycle. Uh, it failed to reach the 1 million unit uh, goal that they wanted to have by the end of February. Uh, they had less than 900,000 selling. Uh, selling. Um, this uh, also undermined Sega's attempts to build up a sufficient installed base to ensure the Dreamcast survival after the arrival of competition from other manufacturers. Uh, this was disappointing to Japanese consumers returning their Dreamcasts, and using the refund to purchase additional PlayStation software. Mm -hmm. Ouch! And then keep in mind that uh, the PS2 is uh, in the pipe. Yeah. And then that came out, and it's like, well... The first major release, like, Japan considers for the Dreamcast is something that uh, I think a lot of us know as, like, a very taboo game. And probably saw in, like, the likes of uh, X-Play, if you had tech TV back then. C-Man. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, July 1999. You know I have that, right? UFC, man? Yeah. Can I see the cover? Yeah. I want to look at the cover real quick. Let me find it. If you can. Fishman. It actually might be in my other box. I'm not going to stand up and go get it, but I do have it. It's around. I, I got to find my microphone for it. So prior to the Western launch, Sega reduced the price uh, of the Dreamcast again in Japan. Uh literally dropping the total of it from when it originally started at uh, 29,000 yen to 19,000 yen. Uh, effectively making the hardware profitable, unprofitable, but increasing its sales. They're sinking. Yeah. Rapidly. Yeah. Uh, the price reduction and release of Namco's Soul Calibur helped Sega to, re to gain 17% on its shares. Yikes. So working closely with Midway Games, which developed uh, four launch games for the system, and taking advantage of the ten months following the Dreamcast release in Japan, Sega of America worked to ensure a more successful U.S. launch with a minimum of 15 launch games. Despite lingering bitterness over the Saturn's early release, uh, Stoller successfully managed to repair uh, relations with major U.S. retailers, with whom Sega pre-sold 300,000 Dreamcast units, which really fucking beats the snot out of 60,000 units. They didn't do super great in Japan. Yeah. Like I read about at least. Yeah. And uh, comparatively uh, to Sega Saturn, with the 60,000 units released for, for American release, when you have that many more units you're going to be able to sell more mm -hmm. it's uh what i what i like to call nintendo syndrome <laughs> nintendo does this to themselves all the fucking time if you release a highly limited amount of uh consoles you're not creating more demand over supply uh like there's literally still the same demand and no supply the demand doesn't get greater, it just gets angry. Yeah. You know? And so then you have just angry parents, angry kids, uh, people fighting each other, calling places constantly. You have disgruntled workers that have no idea if the truck next week is going to have more than two units on it. Mm -hmm. And overall, you're stunting your own growth as a company. 